0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I am your normally Tuesday host, Charles Curtis, but I was on vacation uh, in in Chicago and the, the Lake Michigan area, and now I'm back. I switched with Hemel, who did a really awesome podcast with Quick Cook on Tuesday, and here I am with the great Ted Burke to talk baseball. Ted, what's going on? Uh, not much.
1: What's going on with you? How is Chicago and the Lake Michigan area? It
0: was awesome. Uh, went to the beach with uh, with a bunch of families, uh, friends, and, and their kids in um, talk and then we drove to Chicago where I had my first visit to Wrigley Field. And actually, I did want to ask you on the podcast if my confirmations about or my feelings about Wrigley Field are true. Do you find that, like, they take baseball way more seriously there in that there's not as much, like, distraction on the scoreboard and, you know, I know the video board's fairly new, but, like, I just found the whole experience so, like, you want baseball unadulterated? Here it is, and, you know, you're going to watch it, enjoy it, and there's nothing else you're going to do. There's no, you know, there are, you know, between-ending things, but really during the game, I just found everybody really focused, and I loved it. Uh, I
1: think that's a function of the Cubs being good
0: Mm. because
1: if you went there before the Cubs were good. Like, I remember going there in, like, 2010 or something, like, during during sort of the dark time for the Cubs. And there's still a lot of people there, you know, but it was more of... It was like being at a bar where there happened to be a baseball game going on. And, you know, like, just, like, tons of... and It was, like, it was even before, like... I, the first time I went there was even before selfies were really a thing, and there were just tons of people taking selfies with like their digital cameras and stuff, like before phones phones had cameras. That's how long I'm going back. Uh, so I think that it feels that way because the team is good, and so people are into it. It does. It is. You know. It's a more I don't know, pure experience, if you want to call it something like that. It's a little bit quieter than a lot of parks, which is nice. Like sometimes you go to places and they're just – humping in the sound, and, and it's you could dial it back a little bit and uh, and still have the excitement. Uh, Wrigley's good like that. I don't know if they still have I'm, – I'm sure you would have loved it if you saw it. Do they still have, like, the ragtime band that, that walks around the crowd sometimes?
0: I did not see a ragtime band. Uh, I think they're only there – I think song, yeah.
1: I think they might just be there on Sundays or something like that, like it's maybe just, like, one time a week that they do it. But there is, like – a or there was for a long time, like a full-blown – ragtime band that would just set up in different parts of the of the grandstand and play for a little while I always thought that was awesome
0: that that is amazing and and uh, yeah we could spend the whole podcast talking about my experience in Chicago and and you know how awesome Wrigley Field is and and it totally can you know lived up to the hype I did want to obviously cover the other teams in baseball um what's like the biggest storyline in your mind going into you know we're heading sort of toward the all-star break we're not quite there yet but what's what are you thinking about? What's your focus? What are you amazed
1: uh, by? I think I'm most amazed by something I wrote about yesterday, which is that the American League is like basically settled already. And, yeah. and it's July 6th as we speak. And this is kind of what everyone thought coming into the season but you know what's what's normally fun about baseball is that there are so many surprises and that there there is such a you know a great variance in how things play out and I think coming to the season pretty much everyone said okay you know it's Yankees or Red Sox in the east it's the Indians in the central and it's the Astros in the west and that's just how it looks like the Mariners are, are pretty good. I think they've played a little bit above their heads to be there with the Astros in the AL West. But, uh, even that team, like it's uh, like I wrote yesterday, if you look at playoff odds, we're in July, we're in the early part of July and the Mariners have an 85% chance of making the playoffs. All of those other teams are more or less locks for the postseason already. And, and that's crazy to me. And it's definitely bad. Uh, it's going to be, you know, unless you're a Yankee fan or a Red Sox fan and you care which one gets the wild card game and which one gets the division, uh, and or I guess an ESPN employee and in which case you also very much care about that, uh, then you know the whole American League is just it's just going to be lousy. It's it, I mean it's it's there's nothing to watch, um, unless you're you know watching to see which of your team's players wind up good enough to be on their next contender. Uh, so I, I think that's that's part of it. And then the, the flip side is that uh, the National League is almost nothing like what I expected, right? In that the Braves and Phillies are both pretty good. The Nationals have been pretty lousy. The Mets have been horrible. Uh, the Cubs and Dodgers, I think, were clubs you know, we expected to be really good at have been Solid but not spectacular, and then you know some of these teams that were could go either way—the the Brewers and the Diamondbacks, and even you know the Rockies and the Giants have all been kind of decent. So the the NL will be fun and worth watching, uh, I think probably down to the wire. Uh, but it's a it's a weird it's a weird year.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned yesterday, and and the flip side for me is right—you're talking about all these other teams that aren't contending as tanking. I mean, for the most part, I mean, I don't think Minnesota necessarily is tanking. But no, they...
1: Minnesota wasn't tanking. They just, you know, they had a—they played above their heads last season. Right. They they tried. They, they sort of went for it. You know, they don't really have the resources to go, like, all in. And, and they probably knew that it wasn't wise to go all in after, you know, a solid uh, above-their-heads season last year. Yeah. So they didn't. Um, I wouldn't call them a tanking team. Um, you know, the Orioles haven't really— yet committed to tanking and yet they are They're the wonderful. worst team in baseball <laughs> um, so so it's not it's not necessarily just that but that is a big part of it right I mean a lot of these teams are are fully in rebuild mode uh, the Rangers even weren't that way and and they've been pretty bad yeah. so it's not it's not fully tanking uh, but it, that is one element of what what's happening is that there were some 10 teams probably across the majors this year that very clearly had no intention of contending
0: and I, 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 for one, think that's great. That's just my thing because I look at it from sort of a macro point of view of, like, if if my team... And we, we can... This is a good way to transition into something you just published minutes ago. We're taping this on a Friday late morning, and you just published this. You know, a team like the Mets, like, I say, like, you know what? If they're terrible, trade everybody. Trade everybody and start all over again and do your best to, to gather prospects and, and shore up your farm system. And then, you know, the, the rebuild begins new. I mean... The Yankees across town are a bad example because they were sort of like – it was like a half – they traded like some of their stars, but they also had – They rebuilt
1: know. and never got bad. They right. rebuilt and never which got is, bad. Which, which is nuts. I've rarely. never seen that happen.
0: No. yeah, In all of our sports. But like, yeah, like a team like Mets are like, great, trade everybody. Uh, a team like uh, Cincinnati Reds, great, trade everybody. Just do it. Whatever you have to do to to start the rebuild, do it. No, no middle ground. Middle is death. People on this podcast have heard me say that a billion times. And it's true now in baseball – Um, And it wasn't necessarily, I think you would agree, like 10 years ago, but now it's like, don't be in the middle, be at the bottom, be at the top.
1: See, I kind of, I think that you're right.
0: Okay. Um, I think
1: that it's changing because I think that now what's happening is you now tanking or, or rebuilding or whatever is such a popular approach that... If everyone's doing it, it's not going to work, right? Like the the Tigers seemed like a team very much tanking entering this season. The Tigers are going to wind up with like the 11th or 12th draft pick next mm. year. Right? So that's it. and and it doesn't work in, you know, it's not it's not the same as basketball where, you know, the the 1-1 overall pick is a guy you are almost certain or you're banking on to be a superstar. Right? You can get talent throughout the major league draft and so there's a, there's a difference to that too. Um I think also, you know, the playoffs are so fickle in baseball. Every every game is so variable in baseball compared to basketball. And, and I keep mentioning basketball just because that's I think the sport where the value of tanking has really been shown. Yeah, uh, and the NFL I, too to an extent. Yeah, um, but I think you know, to the to in the NBA to win the the championship, you you need to have the best team, right? And in baseball, that's just not true. You know, you can if you make it into the playoffs. I to me you have a it's a it's a coin flip chance of winning every series right once you get past the wild card it doesn't matter who you're facing in the division series because you know the best baseball teams you know only win 62% of their games or whatever then you know one good team against another good team those games are are coin flips and so yeah you'd like home field advantage and you'd like to, you, you're better off with a better team obviously but I think the goal should always be getting to the playoffs. And, and so if enough teams are tanking, then being in the middle and having a few things fall your way gets you to the playoffs. Like, look, look at the, you know, and, and I know it's just with the Braves, it's like it's happening early, right? right? And uh, with the Mariners, I think, is I think the Mariners are probably a good example, right? They're, they're a team that was not in tank mode, uh, also not in, like, let's pick up everyone and go for it mode. Things are falling their way, and now they're going to wind up in the postseason. And if they get past that wild card game, they've got a good, good a chance as any of the other teams uh, in the division series at winning the World Series and because they didn't blow it all up, right? Because they didn't give in and and say, okay, like we don't have the Houston Astros roster, so let's trade everybody.
0: Right. Right. That's actually a really, 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 really good point there. Um, let me revise that then because you, what you're saying to me is, right, like the middle isn't necessarily death, but the middle could be a place to to thrive. And, you, you know, we talk about the Twins and, again, a team. They're in second place. Yeah, they're 11 and a half games out, but 11 and a half games out in July, eh, maybe uh, time, done. you know? They're done, they're done. That's a, the, <laughs> they're,
1: the Indians are just so much better than every other team. They really America. are. No, I, <laughs> you're,
0: you're totally right about that. I right, mean, The
1: Indians could, I, like, I, even earlier this season when the Indians weren't playing well, I like, it doesn't matter, right? Like, they can finish 500 and still win this division. And so just, like, take your time. Get everyone healthy. Get everyone right. Make sure you're good for the postseason because it doesn't it doesn't matter what they do in the regular season.
0: That's crazy. I, what I'm thinking of is, is, right, what the Houston Astros did, right? Like, the, the complete wipeout of the of the, the, the team up there and trading for all these young farmhands with, with big uh, potential careers ahead of them. Isn't that the way to kind of... If you're a team like the Texas Rangers, isn't that the way to to, to you know tank and, and and restart? Is that still does that still hold?
1: It was when the Astros did it, and the Astros did it you know gloriously, right? Because they they managed to lose like 106 games a season for four straight years. But even if you look at the drafts they had, right? The I mean they got they got Correa out of it, and they ultimately got. Alex Brigman out of it because they drafted uh, Brady Aiken with the first overall mm-hmm. pick and didn't sign him. And so that, that gave them the second overall pick next year. Uh, but Mark Appel was in there, too. He, he did very little for them. I guess he sort of partly brought back Ken Giles, uh, who was a bit of a goat in the postseason last year, but has been generally pretty good for them. Um, you know, so it's not it's not like a it, there needs to be a lot more. There needs to be a lot more than just losing, right? You need to draft well. Not all top overall picks work out. Not all number five overall picks work out. So just collecting all of these picks isn't isn't going to get you there. You need to do it well. It's not a sport, again, like where in the NBA where it's like, okay, everybody, everybody knows, you know, uh, I mean, I can't think of a good recent example of a guy where coming out of college everybody's like, oh, this is the best guy. And then he is the best guy because right. it's a consensus thing. You'll see him. The level of, of competition in the amateur ranks in baseball is just so varied that you don't know if a guy is gonna be a guy you draft twenty-fifth overall might turn out to be Mike Trout. And and you get Mike Trout because it so happens he's the best guy. No one knew it because he was playing against crappy New Jersey high school players.
0: See, you've educated me here. This is so so middle is death everywhere else, middle in baseball. I think and I think that's
1: I think it's right now. I think that's yeah. right now. Yeah. and I think it's just because because that idea took hold so firmly around the league that now, uh, partly because and and like you know, the twins would have been I, I mean almost a good case to go in just because if you know three teams in your division are trying to lose then like you're you got 19 games or 18 games each against those teams so you can come out with a winning record despite not really having a good team and again once you get to the postseason it's just a crapshoot.
0: yeah no you're right um uh, I will ask you about a different race it will not be the AL MVP because we know who that's going to be it's your boy Mike Trout um and MVP what's going on there who's who's who you got right now
1: That's a tough one. Uh, I think that in the most, uh, I got to look at it. I think in my most recent, so we do, Mm -hmm. I I vote for the USA Lay Power Rankings and we Mm -hmm. do like uh, quarterly and half, uh, we do uh, MVP, we do all the awards. And I think my most recent one, Mm -hmm. I voted for Freddie Freeman. Um, You know, and, and part of that is, I think, a reflection of being oh, you're the best player on the team that sort of surprised everybody. You're the veteran in the middle of that lineup. Uh, I think he has a case. Um, it's not... There's no obvious candidate. Like, Nolan Arenado feels like a guy who has deserved an MVP a few times, and it's, it sort of seems like, oh, when's this guy going to win his MVP? Maybe this is the year for him if the Rockies stay above 500. Um, then, I don't know, It it it's sort of a... It's sort of a wide open I think that it will depend, you know, and I, and I don't think it should be based on teams that, that win and and make the postseason, but I think it will be, you know, sort of the best player on, yeah, on that surprise team.
0: Right. Well, the, the one that I saw that I've I, I just seen, I think Buster only tweeted it, and there was somebody else who I saw who was tweeting, War, your favorite, one of your favorites. I shouldn't say your favorite because I don't know that for a fact, but I know you cite War when it comes to, uh, Mike Trout Mondays, you know, how, how many guys he passes in that. But they're talking about Max Scherzer, who has more war than, than, than I think, Arenado Freeman and Matt Kemp, who's another name that keeps getting thrown out there. And I'm sort of like, that's not happening, because no way the voters will, will send it that way. But that's pretty cool, that, that Scherzer would be the guy, even though, again, like you wrote about the Nationals floundering on July 4th. Like, that would be interesting. I don't think it's happening, though.
1: Yeah, I think to win the MVP, you need as a pitcher... You need to be so – like Scherzer's been awesome. Um, I think you need to have that sort of like totally outlandish superlative year like Justin Verlander had a few years ago when he won it. Um, and, And like I don't know that anything about Scherzer's numbers, at least in the traditional numbers, like jump off the page so much to get him there. So I feel like, yeah, he'll get some votes. Um, but like you could make a, ca- I mean, you could make a case. I'm looking at the, the war leader board. Now, if you, you can make a case, a Trey Turner is the MVP for the nationals, just because he's playing good defense and, and getting on base and stealing bases and doing a lot of different things. Like there's, there's sort of a bunch of guys. Uh, like if I, if I, I'm on the fan graph page, it's for nationally guys, it's Arenado, uh, Lorenzo Cain, uh, right. uh JT Real Muto, who's not going to win the MVP, but has had a really (laughs) nice season. Uh, Ozzy Albies, who's a favorite of mine. Freeman, Turner, uh, Scooter Jeanette, also not going to win the MVP. And then Paul Goldschmidt, who is probably an interesting candidate because he's another guy who feels like he's due. Um, And... He's right there in the mix with the top guys in the National League after having just a, like a, an existentially bad first month and a half of the season. So he's hit well enough to sort of play himself into that picture, and and he could wind up the guy.
0: Yeah, that would be really with a big second half and, and with Arizona contending. Yeah, that that's a that's a good pick. It, like, are there like five guys or however many guys that you're thinking about who are going to be the names you're going to see get traded at the deadline? Because, like, um, Jake DeGrom, you just wrote, you know, Jake DeGrom, who, who is on the Mets and has been pitching the probably the best year of his career, and the Mets should absolutely trade him. I'm with you. That's what you kind of wrote, that, that it makes sense. Uh, is that a guy who is—I mean, the Mets keep denying in their reports that, that they're taking him and, and Syndergaard off the table. Is, is he going, and who else is going?
1: Uh, I so I don't think they I don't think they're going to trade Syndergaard, and I don't think they should because he hasn't really pitched in two years right so like you're you're trading this guy with who still has several years of team control left and it's probably at like the nadir of his value right like there's this he is such a big wild card I think you could wind up burnt right like maybe he doesn't pitch for the next three years and you held on to him when he still had value and and it burns you but. Since the injuries are are sort of unrelated um, and and it doesn't seem like it's like some chronic shoulder thing that he's never going to get past. I, if I'm the Mets I think I roll the dice with just hanging on to him and, and hoping you know you can build around him and, and turn him into this. and maybe even if he comes out strong next season maybe even cash in on it in, in terms of an extension and say like well you know we, we get a little bit of a discount because you miss so much time uh, and then you wind up having him you know past his his arbitration years uh, I, that the reason I think the Mets should try to grind um, is that he is so by far the best pitcher who it might e- might be close to available this season. And and so many of the good teams do need help in the starting rotation that I feel like someone's going to come with a big, big offer for a guy like that. Uh, the other ones are more obvious. Manny Machado is, I mean, if the Orioles don't deal him, they should be contracted. Yes, <laughs> um, absurd, because, absurd the, you know, it, it makes no yeah. sense to just let I mean it makes no sense to let a guy that good walk in free agency. I know it's a it's a it's a and like a lot of these things, always come down with like owners, and you know someone has to sign off on that deal, and it's a tough pill to swallow to trade the best homegrown player you've developed since Cal Ripken. Uh, I get that, right? But you have to, you have to. If yeah. you, he's going to leave, he's going to. You're not going to re-sign him, right? So he's going to leave in free agency. So you you have to. You're going to get more than a, a second round and a fifth round draft pick if you trade him right now. So you you have to trade him. So. So he's gone. I think uh, they you know, they probably move Zach Britton as well. Uh, maybe Kevin Gossman, who's, who's been pretty – like, that's a team that really, really, really needs a rebuild, and it's not going to happen for them. Like, they're not going to win in the next two or three years with how good the Yankees are and how young the Yankees are and, and, and really how good uh, the Red Sox and Rays are as well. Like, yeah, the Orioles, they need a full, clean house rebuild. So everyone that's not tied down, I think they should be looking to move. Um Other teams, it's harder. You know, like there's a lot of talk about Michael Fulmer. Uh, I feel like he's not a guy who's going to fetch as much as the Tigers probably want for him. And so, you know, just that he's not the type of pitcher I feel like is going to appeal to like the Dodgers or the Yankees or or clubs like that. So, yeah, I'd I'd be interested in that one. Uh, It's mostly going to be, I mean, Machado is the big name. Uh, I sort of wrote about it, and and I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think the Nationals are really going to fall out of the race. If they do, you know, the Nationals have lost. They won last night in a, a big comeback. Uh, I think they've lost 17 of their last 24, though. So if they lose their next 17 of their next 24, they should trade Bryce Harper. And yes. that would be obviously like the – biggest trade deadline news not necessarily for his talent because he's not as good as Manny Machado at this point um, but because it's Bryce Harper that would be I feel like that would be a big day for for web traffic at the very least
0: <laughs> and, we, and we like that over at for the win um, uh, you know where, where DeGrom should go by the way and I, I know that we are two New Yorkers who are in New York who have biases but from a like, 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 put on your national baseball writer hat, which you wear all the time. Oh, it's the Yankees. You don't take it off. It's the Yankees, right? And it would blow up yeah, the, so yeah. the, the, no, the, no. the back pages. But it's, it makes perfect sense, and the Mets would get so many good prospects out of it. I want it to happen. It's not they
1: happening. They won't do
0: it. And I hate that. They make it. Well, I mean, the Yankees are the
1: happening. team. Yeah. The Yankees are. Well, and it's such an obvious thing. It's such an obvious because the Yankees are the team with the need in the starting rotation with uh, a club that's built to contend for this year, for next year, for the year beyond when when DeGrom is under control, right? Now you add an ace to a team that already has Severino, who is himself an ace. Now you have your postseason one, two is as good as any, right? As good as any in the end, you've got a lineup that has Aaron Judge and and Giancarlo Stanton. I almost called him Mike Stanton and <laughs> Gary Sanchez if he's healthy and all these young players um, and and uh, just you know a stacked team and they have the prospects to get that deal done um, without with, without costing themselves at the major league level really and so that's the obvious bit. I feel like the Mets would never ever ever do it and it's purely for perception and it's a bad that's bad business right that's bad business Mets fans i don't think care like ultimately i don't think you care i don't think any baseball fan if the move if what's gonna bring people back to the stadium and back to watching your team is winning and if this is the best way to get back to winning you make that move you don't you don't worry about the fact that then you're going to watch Jacob DeGrom in pinstripes pitching in the World Series, right? That's a tough pill to swallow. It's going to be a tough pill to swallow if you're watching him do it for alignment back, too. Right? You know, right? it's rough that he's on the back page of the post. Who cares? Who cares? Right? Just win. Win. You need to try to win. and if you and if you win and if you put together a team that's good enough to beat the Yankees and Jacob DeGrom in the World Series, then no one cares that you made this team.
0: Uh, I have a feeling that we have sparked your next column uh, at the end of the month. If uh, if Degrom is indeed still a met or is traded elsewhere and not the Yankees, but uh, stay tuned for that. Anything else we're looking forward to from you? Any any fun stuff? I mean, you're, are you off to the All Star break uh, in a, in, a, in a few weeks or a few days? I should say. Uh,
1: one week, a week mm-hmm. from tomorrow, I leave. Yeah, uh, it's uh, no. I mean, I, I'm I'm still working on this World Cup food beat that I've that I, uh, I talked about with Hemmel uh, on the show. I think last week.
0: Yes, it is. It is great. You all should go and read it. I've learned so much about history and food and historical food and and Ted's uh, own tastes and things like that. Uh, Ted, you are you are still the OG Ted Berg. OG OG Ted Berg. Yeah, that's right. One and the same. The the, the OG. All right, Ted. Thanks for so much for joining us. We'll have you back on. I'm guaranteeing very soon to, to talk uh, for baseball. Maybe the train deadline.
1: Yeah, I'll be oh. around.